You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you enjoy 9ES, please go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe at any level that is $3 and more, and you will get access to Garbage Time, which is the official 9ES after show, which is basically like a bonus episode of 9ES that we record every single episode just for you patrons. Please We appreciate it. On this episode, we talk about date nights, doing the dishes, conspiracy theories, NWA wrestlers, musicians, and big songs, F1 crashes, get them to the Greek mall rats. I get to watch uh, Best Movie Ever, or rather I get signed a Best Movie Ever, and we talk about blood and flesh. I don't really understand that last one. All this and more. 90s. Listen now. Listen, uh, the 90s holiday dating guide. <laughs> uh, everybody's going to have time off with their loved ones, probably, and not a lot to do. Uh-huh. That's that's true facts. No, uh, Sarah and I made ourselves a. Uh, we had a had a tropical a tropical date day, where we turned up the heat in the apartment. Uh, we wore summer it's clothes. Environmentally friendly self-indulgence. Sure uh, and we were flip flops. more environmentally friendly than flying to Jamaica. <laughs> you know, sure. Saving that car, those carbon emissions from the flight by turning the heat up slightly, uh, and the thing, and we plugged in a heater. Uh, so yeah, so we could wear summer clothes, flip flops. We made tropical drinks. We uh, and then we we did like a painting activity because uh, we were like, that's like you know how they sometimes have like activities on the beach and whatnot at like mm-hmm. resorts. Where we're like, we could do painting. And then, uh, yeah, she started painting Zelda and did most of it and then stopped without painting the, dog, the eyes. Or, yeah, Zelda the dog, yeah. uh, not the princess. Yeah. And then stopped uh, where the dog just has, like, white instead of eyes, so it's just terrifying. And she's like, I think I'm done with this. And I was like, <laughs> you've created a horror thing. I created, like, <laughs> Binding of Isaac with, like, the eyes of – I mean, the – closest boss would be mega satan like the eyes of mega satan glowing behind a little baby crying tears and did not scratch the horror that sarah invoked trying to paint our dog mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying where the hell is it this is not on for the not on the wall i want to see the i want to see this monstrosity i don't see she might have gotten rid of it already <laughs> she was like i'm never gonna finish this i was like no you have to give it to That's your parents and be true like romance really. at the painting date throw it right in the garbage when you're done yeah she was i mean and not for that was not my request that was that was her she was like i'm i'm done with this i was like no you need to give it to your parents and mm-hmm. like act like you put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> Mom, and Dad, a, put it on the fridge. As a like a woman in her thirties, make your parents hang up your shitty painting on the wall. A married woman in your thirties, no less. A married woman in your thirties, and be oh. like, instead of grandchildren, here's this painting. <laughs> See, that's where you're wrong. She shouldn't make them put it up on their wall. She should sneak into their house and put it up on their wall. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty proud of the Isaac. I'm like, I, I, I put it up temporarily because I felt pretty happy with it. Uh, it's in the space of the uh, the Cho Iron Man. So I just like used the same hook. And I was like, and it makes me pretty happy every time I'm like, because I've moved the, the PS4 into the office mm-hmm. uh, so I can just, you know, live here like a college student in this mm-hmm. one room. Uh, and every time I'm playing uh, playing video games in general, but especially b- playing Binding of Isaac, and I look up and he's over there over the TV. It makes me happy. So, I don't Keith, know. I've got a pro tip for you here. All right. Uh-huh. If ever you're locked into your office playing PlayStation and yeah. you're feeling really cramped up, okay, mm-hmm. I want you to imagine okay. that Ron Talk is your roommate and you'll see him if you go out of that room. <laughs> Uh, this is this uh, office uh, i believe is bigger than the room that lontok lived in when we lived with lontok see how see how big that room feels now <laughs> just like yeah i could stay in here another day or two nah it was, lontok was lontok was by far like nowhere near the list of most like roommates i avoided in the house like of all the roommates he was just positively uh Neutral. 
Neutral. Yeah, exactly. That's it. He even like, like one of the, like a crazy lawn talkism because he hated doing dishes. And we were like, but you make dishes. And then he was just sort of like, well, not anymore. And then he was like, I'm going to have one set of dishes that will be mine in this one drawer. And then the rest of us in the apartment were like, okay, cool. So like that resolved the problem. And then he was not allowed to use any other dishes except for the dishes that were contained in the drawer. <laughs> That was like Lantok's drawer. And I was like, it was a weird, like, passive-aggressive Lantok move, but, like, also solved the problem. So, yeah. like, he had, like, he had, he bought, like, I went, he went to the dollar store and bought himself, like, two sets of cutlery, like, a steak knife, and, like, a couple other things, and, like, two plates. And he's like, I just want this drawer, and those are my dishes. It's a, it's it a fair out. solution. I, I don't... Absolutely. If you're going to have the all the, the arguments and whatever about dishes, I think, which is the number one... Number one roommate argument, I would say. That like, and, like, and rent. Well, yeah, yeah. Or whatever, you know. Yeah, rent is pretty yeah. bad. I always remember we had, uh, when Mark and I, since we were only the two, when we lived in the place on Benny, that we had like a, a little sign over the dishes. And it was just like, and the method was when you do the dishes, you flip the sign to the other guy's name. Uh-huh. which was also like a method to do them quick, right? Like if there's two dishes in there, you do the dishes, flip the sign, you're done. <laughs> right? So it was always like... It was to spur you to like to do it faster, and then That's I pretty remember. Good. I can't believe yeah. that never happened at any of my places. Yeah, yeah. It, and and if you just like let it go, you're like ha ha sucker, and then you can get like more and more mad at the guy whose name is up for not doing <laughs> it. You guys should have tried what I did at Trenum. Have a disgusting drain backing up sink. So if you left dishes in there, they would just be ruined and, <laughs> and horrible. It doesn't sound fun at it all. Doesn't sound good at all. Oh. <laughs> Because we were right next to the laundromat, and laundry would shoot down disgusting other person used laundry water Ugh. out of the kitchen sink. That so you don't leave anything. I remember that. It, I mean, yeah, it it happened <laughs> often. I always remember with the with the sign flipping thing. Uh, one Keith miss, uh, T Chad slept over and woke up before the house, and then like did the dishes, and then Mark woke up before I did, and then like saw the dishes was done, and was and like, "Mary, Mary, Keith missed to me." And just, like, <laughs> <laughs> like he only told me like a week later. I was like, "Oh yeah, Mark did the dishes." It's amazing. He was like, nope, I woke up in the morning and they were magically done. He's like, he, he didn't even know who did them because like T Chad like did the dishes and left. <laughs> It's a Christmas miracle. Exactly. He was like, sweet. <laughs> Flips the signer. Yeah, no, I think that was that that method uh kept the dishes arguments down, like to to a bare minimum. And and also it was also clear whose turn it was, and it rewarded, like I said, it rewarded the the guy who was willing to like do them fast. Right? Like if you like yep. if you cook, yep. you yep. cooked and did your own dishes right away, you just flip the sign and you're done. And that's uh and that's that. How's everybody doing? How's, oh, just how's, oh, just great. Just great. Just I, great. You say that I, like it's not true. What's well, the matter? That, that is correct. That I mean, we're entering month. We're entering into right. Hang on. By early June, we were allowed to like. Actually, no. Forget early June. I think within two months of the initial lockdown, we were allowed to see each other in parks, and technically, that's not allowed right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I know people are still doing it. So now this is longer than the initial thing. Well, we're at an all-time maximum, aren't we, in terms of infections per day in Quebec? Not in Montreal, though. In Montreal, we're much, much lower. But in pro- Quebec? Yeah, in Quebec there is, but now it's spread out over, like, three or four regions. Like, so for the actual city, we're better than we were. I, I, and, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss the, the actions, but I'm saying for the toll on your, like, your mental health, you're not even allowed to technically go for a walk with your friends right now, even though apparently that's pretty safe. But then you were allowed on Halloween. Right. <laughs> but or whatever the heck it was. But, yeah, the fact that you're not allowed to even meet outside. I was really hoping for barrel fires to make, like, a, to be the social <laughs> gathering point of the year. And being like, oh, okay, you know, I set up a barrel fire. Want to come over to my place, Scott? Throw dice in the alley behind <laughs> your house. Everybody's just warming their warming their hands around the barrel fire. Stare suspiciously at the guy who comes into our alley dressed in a suit. Yeah, really. Hey, what are you doing here? Officer Leroy comes like, hey, you guys shouldn't be throwing dice. And you're like, yeah, man, whatever. Either that or he's returning some videos. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> Uh, it was a bad week for conspiracy theorists. Was it? Or a ba- bad two <laughs> Sydney Powell thing. I have no idea what this is. Oh my god! I know you. Yeah. Uh, this is 
So Sidney Powell uh, was an attorney who represented Trump. And then uh, and his attorneys were all going loco. They're, th- they're throwing out everything trying to get anything to stake to, to oh, reverse. What's your face with the weird drawly voice? I think so, maybe. Yeah. Either way, the, the lawyers are doing their jobs and throwing apps. Well, by, by doing their jobs, I mean like doing their completely insane jobs from an insane person. But they're throwing everything at every, every direction to try to get anything to stake to prove that something happened bad. And Sidney Powell, while in the employment of President Trump, asserted that uh, the, the, pres- the election was hijacked with communist money uh, using funding from the late Venezuelan president, Hugo Chavez, and a manipulated computer algorithm. Nice. And then Trump was like, too crazy. You're not on the legal team anymore. <laughs> like, think about to be the person who was like, nope, you don't say those things in public, lady. <laughs> like, but imagine she's right. <laughs> that would be the best. If that's like the most hard proof of like voter fraud they had was actually like bankrolled by Hugo Chavez and communists and a manipulated computer algorithm. But yeah. So a secret plot that altered uh, millions of ballots and stole the election from Trump. And then uh-huh. she got fired for being too crazy to be on the Trump legal team. Uh-huh. So I was like, man, keep that stuff on Reddit, Sidney Powell. That's where that goes. I, 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 it's been a long time since I viewed any of that stuff as anything but a theater put up to distract people. So there's no there's no depth to which it can sink that is not within the realm of theater. You know? Oh, for sure. I well, I mean, I, I like. Even, I don't even think it's to distract people. I think the mission right now is to bilk the loyalists out of dollar bills. All of that is true. All yeah, of that is true. They want to stay on TV so they can still seem like they're fighting, so they can get millions of dollars from people who didn't cast their Trump checks yet, or just yeah. send their Trump checks right back to them. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the um, they 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 set up a fund for the for that, like the the Trump legal defense fund or whatever. Yeah, else like and that, the but... small print says if you donate anything under eight thousand dollars, it will not go to the defense fund. <laughs> it just like, goes... that's the thing. It just goes to the Trump campaign top yeah. finances. Yeah, there, uh, there, I read about that and many many other ways that. Um, uh, he's gone. Can we stop thinking and talking about him? The one thing that, that the, the last the last conspiracy theory that I kind of also buy about all of this is that they're like if he's just enough of a hassle, he's fishing for a Biden pardon. He's like, listen, I'll just I'll let this all go away and I'll just stop my bullshit if you just promise to pardon me when whatever comes to light comes to light in a couple months. And I was like, not impossible either. <laughs> also, not worth it. A pardon is pretty important. Yeah, for him, but not for Biden, not for the. I also love the joke. So he pardoned Michael Flynn, right? And uh, it, Fallon had the best joke, and he was just sort of like, they're bringing back people from season one for the finale. I love it. <laughs> it's, it's theater, right? It's complete theater. That, that's, it's literally the plot of a television show. It's like the, the finale has him pardoning the guy who like got... The tone of your voice implies that you're saying it ironically, though. No. It, it's... I don't even know. I think that it's just the the... I think ne- ne- not to say maybe never before, but maybe never before has it been so apparent. Like the theater of American politics is mm-hmm. just like, and I think that maybe it's, and I, I often wonder if it's because the like media has altered or whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like if it's because of reality TV and stuff that politics has like, has sunk to that level. Like I always think back to the, uh, like that debate that people show where they're like, um, is it Nixon? Nixon versus Kennedy debate, and like by all by all accounts, they hated each other. But it's like one of the most like eloquent, well thought out debates ever. And you're like, that was only 50 years ago. And now you look at like even like Trump aside, you look at even just the debates and stuff that that went through in the last like the previous election cycle without even George Trump, Bush like, at a debate. Yeah, George Bush at a debate exactly. They're like. And that's only like 50 years removed from two guys who abhorred each other who still like maintain the veneer of like civility and and stuff. So I don't even know if it's yeah. just like a response to TikTok and stuff. <laughs> and now they're like politics is this is what's happening. And but and then my my brain also goes to think that like was Nixon like, and Kennedy as much entertainment as anyone else, but it was just like it looked classier. I don't think so. I think Nixon and Kennedy was the end of real politics in America. Possibly. 
That does then because then they killed Kennedy and then they started running the shadow. And government. then the CIA started running the show. And that was it. Hmm? Could be. <clears throat> what else right. is happening, y'all? So I found a couple YouTube channels that are playing all kinds of old, early '80s NWA wrestling shows. That's and fine. It's been insanely entertaining because all of this stuff happens before the WWF is formed. And before Vince bought everybody, bought rounded up all the top guys. Yeah. So like, I just watched a match where Roddy Piper and uh, Ric Flair fought each other. And I was just like, what the? How is this happening? This is the weirdest. Most insane thing. Barry Windham and Jake the Snake Roberts are a tag team, and neither of them have long hair. <laughs> Walter has that. Uh, WWE released a uh, like a, a DVD set of like the best of Deep South or whatever, which was all like the the Memphis wrestling, and and there's a lot of that too, where you're like Jerry Lawler is just around in like a capacity that he never was, like as a wrestler. You know, right. like, it's not just, like, a weird throw-in. You're like, no, Jerry Lawler's, like, week-to-week, like, the guy who, like, every storyline weaves in and out of. It's <laughs> like, every match, you're like, oh, here's Jerry Lawler. It's just running around and all the, like, who else was around? Like, Junkyard Dog was around, a bunch of the the, the hillbillies and whatnot. So, like, I'm watching Mid-Atlantic. And okay. that's um, Ric Flair, uh, Ole Anderson, uh Roddy Piper, Jake Roberts, Ricky Steamboat. It's like half of the AEW roster. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's insane to think that all of these guys, just in a year or two from what I'm watching, go from like playing the TV studio in front of 100 people to, you know. MTV. WrestleMania. WrestleMania and, and Starcade for the guys that go to become WCW. Mm-hmm. Like it, and they're, they're all good. Well, that that's, the, I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the weirdest things about wrestling <laughs> is that the, it, the, the jump is so big to the big leagues, right? Like you look at Kevin Steen, who then becomes Kevin Owens is like, was wrestled at Foofs. And then a week later is on NXT. And then like a month later is Madison Square Garden, Madison Square Garden. And you're like, whoa, what? And it's like, and the biggest you could get, I mean, especially, especially in the last couple of years, like now there's AEW as an alternative and I guess TNA and whatever, but like even ROH is still, was still playing outside of a couple pay-per-views to like 200, 300 people. And you're like, yeah, pack the house, a couple hundred people move up to the next level, play to 20,000. Like it's crazy. It's there. There's no mid ground. Like, it's not like when you're a musician and you're like, I'm playing open mics and then I work my way up to like bigger clubs and then like bigger shows and bigger venues. And then like, really established musicians go to bell center it's like you go from like if you it's like a musician who went from like playing like club soda to bell center and nothing in between <laughs> that's like the wrestling curve and like flair is good and piper is good and steamboat are good and they're all like torching on, on the mic and like what changed in that year like how much did vince drugs yeah Vince, like Vince, just threw millions of dollars. Yeah, he went to each. He went to every single, uh, like, uh, like Fed and pulled the like four or five top guys, and that was, and then oh, was like, I'm gonna make a Fed, and then all the other Feds crumbled because their top guys were gone. <laughs> so like, they didn't even have the like with those guys that could only draw a couple hundred people because they were not like super like savvy businessmen who were pushing all like TV. TV and closed cable circuit events and all that stuff. So like their business prowess could put four or 500 people into the ring or into a room with Ric Flair and steamboat and like, and Piper on the roster. You lose those guys. Your business is toast. Like, right? Like He did that in Montreal. He did that in Calgary. He did that deep South and mid Atlantic. And then you watch WrestleMania one. You're like, Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Fuck. And it's now- crazy. It's crazy. You know about Vince McMahon? He's a millionaire who could be a billionaire. <clears throat> Man, yep. can you imagine if he really liked wrestling? <laughs> if where Vince McMahon really likes wrestling and not crazy bodybuilding federations or two football leagues. Or... Weird failed football leagues. <laughs> if you could just if you could just lean into wrestling and make it work instead right. of just using it to bankroll his other insane ideas. Are you kidding? 
if you had the money, you know, and you had a constant stream of it, wouldn't you want to bankroll crazy ideas? <laughs> oh, you're insane fucking ideas. crazy fun with it? I mean, I but I love that it's like the reverse, right? Of AEW is the like the the son of the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars who already has the NFL money. And then he's like, I want to run a wrestling federation. That's his crazy idea. Yep. <laughs> he's going to, Tony Khan gets to run a wrestling federation. Like the way uh, Scott plays uh, 80s wrestling mania or whatever else like that. Tony Khan just made AEW happen. The way Scott plays a phone game. Yep. Then Vince goes the other way around where he's like, I have a wrestling federation. I'm on my own football league to run like friggin' I'm running Tecmo. <laughs> All of the games are sort of professional sounding. <laughs> Almost right. There's some uh, weird rules that just don't translate properly. And uh, yeah. And then, played, you up, then you end up with TNA. Where the rock <laughs> TNA is also one of the great, I was like, I love the, like the fact that somewhere like Smashing Pumpkins, I think is like big enough to, I guess, probably have like a, at a certain point, someone like doing a retrospective on their live or whatever, like a book, like, you know, like I'm looking at the book that uh, either you or Sophie lent me on my shelf, like the autobiography of like Lemmy. And it's like the whole thing. And it just not just his music career. So it's oh. like Smashing Pumpkins, I think are, are big enough that that they'll be getting that treatment. They've already probably had it, but especially like later on. Right. Yeah. And then like in the later on version of the Smashing Pumpkins biography, they're going to be like, and then Billy Corgan bought a wrestling federation. <laughs> and, you're like, and then he's like made himself an on-screen character, not just like as an investor, like he runs a wrestling federation. That's what, he, that's why there's no more Smashing Pumpkins right now. He's busy with his like old man fantasy because he electrolysed all his hair. So he's still bald and weird and just showing up on wrestling now. That, I mean, the Smashing it. Pumpkins were among the biggest of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Certainly up there. And like rock stars, a lot of the 90s acts didn't turn into like giant ass rock stars. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's fair to compare them with the Doors in the 60s and Queen in the 70s. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, like they were absolutely like, I would put them in the like big like definitely a top four, top five bands of the nineties. Sure. Right. Sure, like sure. if you're like, let's see who are like uh, rock bands, obviously uh, like smashing pumpkins, Nirvana, red hot chili peppers. Pearl jam was the Pearl one that like, didn't capitalize, you know? Yeah. But, but the Pearl jam still did stadium tours. Like yeah. nuts. Uh, Sonic youth. I didn't even think got that big. They were like music, music, musically big. But then People that's. Them, but they weren't. They weren't selling out. Bell Center. Yeah. yeah. So, and then really, really, and Audio Slave. Who was the the lead singer? Was in. Um, you think of Stone Temple Pilots? They didn't get that big. Okay. Oh, Rage Against the Machine. Soundgarden. 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 Yeah. Chris Cornell. Rage Against the Machine also probably pretty high up there. Yeah. Although. Rage Against the Machine is still. I think we we definitely discussed this at some point. I was like, as much as I love Rage Against the Machine kind of single-handedly responsible for like Limp Bizkit <laughs> and what's to come. Like Rap Rock, like Rap Rock was not a thing. And then Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. made it, like pushed Rap Rock much different, much more better and politically aware and everything else. But as a genre, like Limp Bizkit and Corn and all that stuff came out like four or five years later than Rage Against the Machine. And I guarantee you they grew up listening to Rage Against the Machine and was like, sick! You're also forgetting about the Judgment Night soundtrack. The hold Judgment. on, hold on. You're, you're forgetting about, um, what's his face? The band from the 80s that was doing rap rock. It's Faith like, No More? Faith No More, yeah. Yeah, but Faith No More didn't always do rap rock, though. It no, was, that like, was like late. What the hell, my phone? Dude. Jesus. Yeah, there was like some rap, rap rock, but then Faith No More also like broke up and there was Phantomas and Mr. Bungle and all that stuff. Yeah, and Phantomas like that. is so good. And then, but, and also never got that big, right? Like yeah. their most, their biggest song was Epic, which they hated and don't play. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like uh, when, when I saw them live, everyone was like, I hope they play Epic. I was like, they're not, they will not play Epic. Like he, Mike Patton has talked repeatedly about the fact that he hates that song. They're not, not going to do it. And it's like the didn't. guys who did Sail, lead singer looking so fucking sad, singing it. Like half, the, half the band walked off stage. Yep. <laughs> Don McLean, right? Yep. With American Pie. If he sang it first, everyone would leave his concerts. Yep. 
I, I, who is it? Um, Vance Joy did that. He had his song uh, Riptide. And people were just like literally just like chanting to him to do it. And he's like, okay, f- like, he's like, it's a little crowded. He's like, I see people like pushed in and whatever. We're just, I'm going to play it now. It's like, anyway, it was like a big, it was like one of those, like he got booked, I guess, to like a mid-sized stage at Oceaga. And then that song came out in between the like booking and the concert. And then it was like quite evident that he was should have probably been moved to the main stage because it was a gazillion people. But then he's like, right. anyway, here's here's the song. And then it's like the, the crowd <laughs> filters out, and he's like, okay, cool. Now here's the rest of the set. Like now that that's over. Ouch! <laughs> like I was like, man, this song came out three months ago, and he's already like, I'm sick of it. Like, I mean, you know, it's your job, buddy. You know, you want to play I mean, the song that people like. For sure, and he—I he, mean, he—he he gave it his all, but it was—I think he was just getting pissed off that everybody was just chanting for Riptide. Like that's yep. like, yo, I'm a, like I have I have a forty-five minute set. That's a three-minute song. I will clearly get to it. <laughs> like, I don't remember the band who did Sail, but it was the same thing. Awol Nation. Awol Nation. The rest of their set was like rock, and Sail is kind of like a synthy weird thing. Yeah, it's I care track. to see no track. What's that, Scott? I wouldn't want to see it live unless they had the video of cats failing in the background. Oh, man. Fuck, fuck cats. There's such a good video of a dude doing a base jump off the side of a cliff. And he, he like takes three steps that it like starts the sail song going. And he catches a bad breeze, spins around and slams straight back into the rock. And then he looks up and you can see his like his spin has tangled up the cables on his uh, on, on his his like parachute and it's still open enough to hold his weight slightly, but closed enough that he plummets the remaining like 400 meters or whatever to the ground, slamming into the wall over and over again. And it's like just enough friction to stop him from dying on the way down. It's so good. That's I mean, very exciting. Oh man, it is. And it's a great, it's great to the tune, you know, it's perfect. Cause he doesn't die. I prefer just little cats trying to jump over small distances and failing. I'm pretty so, sure that song also hits at one point really well in Mr. Robot. Like, it's a great little um, tune. Yeah, it's super tune. good. Yeah. It, but immediately when you were talking about uh, a guy almost dying, it made me think of uh, Romain Grosjean. I don't know if you guys saw this. Holy crap. I mean, I don't see why you would. It's in the world of motor car racing. Nope. Uh, in, uh, yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, uh, so Saturday... Um, fireballed, right? Yeah, which is insane. Like, I was talking about this with my dad. I was like, as soon as someone, like, like the clip pops up all over social media, like, this guy, his F1 car, like, hits the, the stanchion, splits in two, and then there's, like, the biggest fireball you've ever seen. And I was like, right. that's not supposed to happen. Like, crashes are going to happen, and cars are going to splinter and explode, and it's going to look real messy. But I'm like, fireballs haven't happened in auto racing in, like, 30 years. Like, I thought gas mostly doesn't burn like that. It doesn't. And on top of that, like my dad was explaining, they have like, like, like the entire gas tanks are like rubber insulated and all that stuff. And like the way the lining works is like a F1 car. It should be almost like something had to have gone like in addition to a horrendous crash, like terribly, terribly wrong. Cause it should almost be like impossible for them to fireball the way it does. Right. And yeah. uh, he louder, right? Hmm? After the Nikki louder crash. They they fixed a lot of those F one problems because yeah that's it I mean the jet fumes and no one could tell he was on fire because the flame was burning invisible that video is fucking horrible yeah but this guy so you watch it and if you're like if you did not see the like if you if you turned it off after the explosion you would like your your rational brain would say that man is definitely dead like the man piloting this car must have died the car obliterates and there's a huge thing of smoke or a fireball that happens up. He pulls himself out of the car <laughs> and he's fine. He walks away. He uh, has second degree burns on his wrists and his ankles because of where the boots and his fire suit meet. Otherwise, he has a, a cracked rib or so something. Speaking of like Apology. old stuff that's yeah, I was like, way more entertaining. They're like, they're like, they're like right he's, he uh, announced. Debbie and I watched Get Him to Greek last week. He's like, and apparently oh, I was thinking yeah. about it anyway. It's remarkable. Like good. Good. And, and it holds up. But he it's still like, might race again. So everything he wants. They're like, he's questionable for next week's race. Rock and roll star drug movie. And then he like, the other one is in like two or three weeks. And he's like, he might finish off the season to like. And that's it. It's just so funny. But I was like, how do you even get back into that car? I really should. Yeah. 
I and love he went nose first into the wall. Oh my god! Yeah, dude, it it looks, you, you have a special treat whenever control. you're ready to sit yeah, down. It looks it's as so bad funny. as the so funny. Like, the like, I remember. Like, I think like, like full I, speed I even, into the stanchion. Like like it's not or like. Not, but I remember going to see it in theaters. Like as loses control and kind of even like just like a cheap Tuesday random date night. Like and goes. The trailer looks funny. Like one of those. It's not like an event. Give it a whirl. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But like, but like, whatever. Like Russell Brand was funny. It's crazy. And again, technology wise, yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. You're like, the, okay, looks looks fine. And then around being them, like no broken bones or anything because it's like completely blowing our minds. Just how, the how fire funny it was. All the flame retardants. And then stuff. so much the so only, that like uh, it's, it's like, like one of ten movies I own on wrist. Blu-ray, but because like, when Blockbuster was just because of the joints, uh, and so it was only like I was like on bones even. And every one of the supporting fireball knocks it out of the park too. It's like everybody fires on all cylinders in that movie. I can't. I can't imagine Puffy. Yeah, Daddy's just finished the season. I'm still chasing you. Yeah. driver you know your whole job is having balls <laughs> so of steel yeah i guess but uh, holy i was gonna say i thought that you were you were leading into potentially my thing in terms of like old old things because <laughs> like, this is low uh, burn, so I potentially guess I a soft again. spot or a source <laughs> sarah, sarah burnt her wrist sarah burnt her wrist in the kitchen uh, scott like, i watched them all right you're like race car driver you guys as long as he doesn't i haven't i've been saving it to go through it with debbie because i love it so much i saw that before i saw clip and i fucking love mara so much it's I so terrible and so funny. Never, yeah, exactly. I won, I won passes to the, see it. Uh, premiere the, the, the scene from, Ooh, what is it, like Jackass radio. 2 or Jackass 3, and where, never got uh, where Johnny Knoxville I was like in theaters. riding the big red rocket. It was there for a week. And, and, like, and the, like the engine shoots yeah, out the side. Like misfires and like, like explodes oh, or whatever. And then like he does it again. But then he watches the scene. Yeah, it was the... Because it was the... That would have ripped right through It was the comic Six inches from having like a bullet everything up, right? Is apparently like they, they screened it, like it at like, San Diego or Wizard World yeah. or whatever yeah. else, and Ooh. it was like the reaction was like uproarious. Like every it was like packed house, people like screaming and cheering and just like loving everything. So then they like quadrupled the number of screens the thing was on. <laughs> they put huge marketing campaigns. There was commercials for it all over the place. I remember there were commercials like commercials. They took out ads in like every major comic book. Also, like there was the Mallrats ads were in every comic that I was like, anyone was reading and it was everywhere. And then I had the same thing. Cause I like was excited for it because I had seen the commercials. And I mean, and then it, years later when I got to actually see it, it was like, Oh yeah, they did make this movie exactly for me. But like <laughs> as a young teenage boy, I was just sort of like, they're making a movie exactly for me. And then it just vanished. <laughs> and then like, I only got to pick it up. Like later on VHS, it, it was a small subset of teenage boys for whom that, my, that movie was made. Well, you know, because it was that. That's it. I'm like, oh no, shit! Yeah. It played well at Comic Con. Yep. <laughs> like, half of the joke are half of the jokes are comic dick jokes. <laughs> and a good portion of them are EA Sports NHL hockey jokes. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie. Uh, I would say it's mostly good. Like there, there are some stuff that aged real badly. Like they, 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 and this is something I've noticed in a lot of like, especially like raunchy '90s comedy, is the the use of the the R word, just mm-hmm. like so casual, and it's just like very, very jarring now because you just don't hear it anymore, right? Like you don't say no word because it is a no word, and but it's just like they say it like as an insult, and then they say it like as an endearing thing, and then they say it like I was just like. Wow, Kevin Smith, you really just went to that went to the well of mental like uh, disability just heavily for a lot of it your was, jokes. It was of the times. Though. Oh yeah, exactly. I, I, like, I don't think that's yeah. the weirdest part. The weirdest part, I think, is playing the fifteen-year-old statutory rape for jokes. That's and you know, but she like, was uh, writing a book on her sexual escapades, right? Sure, but so then it's kind there's of, no reason for that character. Like, I guess other than the fact that he gets arrested for it at the end. Right. There is no reason to write that character as, like, 15 years old unless you're, like, Roman Polanski. Like, <laughs> like there's, oh. no, there's nothing about that way that character acts, behaves, or is written that makes her 15. And but that was a, the whole point. It's like the shock that a 15-year-old would be so cavalier about sex. That was what the character was. And you could right. totally see that happening now. It, but not played for laughs. Like such jokes, like I guess. it's that that that's I think that's the thing is that like the whole 
underage sex and it's nothing but jokes like it's only jokes there's nothing serious about that character like that's the whole movie i get it but that's what i'm saying you wouldn't see that now and it's a little weird because you're like it makes everything awkward and then you watch uh like even the one of my favorite like jokes (laughs) in the thing is ben affleck then you don't even get to enjoy it when he's like who's your favorite new kid call me joey call me donnie Like, it's hilarious. Yep. Boston and Ben Affleck and everything. It's perfect. But then you're like, no, but he's, it's footage of him having sex with a, like, character who is 15 years old. Uh, it's just absolutely would not fly today is the, the point. I would also, like, I loved it as a kid uh, and had a lot of fun with it, rewatching it over the weekend. But I find it, like, it doesn't, come close to touching like clerks in terms of like a creative piece. Like it's just dick jokes about comics, which is what I was all about as a kid. And then like, is still very endearing to me now as an adult, but like there, there's really not, there's nothing. Deeper than that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing substantial about the film whatsoever. There's not like, it's not like Dante having the worst day in the world. Uh, or anything else. It's really just a day at the mall where they ruin a game show. <laughs> like that's, that's the whole film, which is fine. I like, I, I loved slacker comedies just in general as a kid. Like, that was my slacker comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was that? Hang on. I, I need to, I need to look this up. If you can share moments about mall rats while I look this up, cause there's a, I don't want to get the facts wrong. Mm-hmm. So John so- mall rats. Scott Mallrats. So when I was uh, of age of Mallrats, um, I couldn't see Magic Eye Pictures. So <laughs> my I was just going to do a Magic Eye bit. We had a ton of those books in my house. It was on brand. Everybody was looking at those stupid little books. My sister could see it. My my mom had a couple of the books. I couldn't. It would give me migraines. And to this day, the only way I can is on my phone, like where I can have a high-res picture glowing into my retinas. That How do you... I, I don't know that I've ever made it work on a screen. For some reason, well, I feel like it's different. On my cell phone, it works beautifully. Huh. I was like, oh, I get oh, I get it. Oh, this is, like, really 3D. Yeah. Wow. It's a but schooner. That was, like, three years ago. <laughs> you dumb bastard. <laughs> It's not a schooner, it's a sailboat. Schooner is a sailboat. You know what? There is no Easter Bunny. It's just a guy in a suit. Uh, the best. <clears throat> but yeah, so so the, the weird factoid and also just like perception, uh, like mind twist that happened to me. Um, when I saw the film, so this movie came out in 1994. Five. Yeah. So if I saw it, saw it in VHS was probably like 96 or 97 by the time I think it made the rounds at the video store, which would have put me at like maybe 12, 13 when I finally got to see it. So when I saw the film, um, it, what do you call it? The Ivana, the mis- mistress Ivana, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the topless psychic played by Priscilla Barnes was very much like an old lady in my mind, like who had good tits. But I was like, this is an older person. She was 39 when she shot that. Was she wearing a wig or something? I feel like she was made up to look a little... Maybe. She takes it off at the end, but... Huh. Yeah. But yeah, but like, yeah, she's... Oh, she, she, was, she was milfy. Like, that was that was her. Absolutely yeah. the vibe. But I'm like, but she's still, like, younger than Scott now. And, like, same <laughs> age as John. And, like, as a kid, I was like, absolutely, yeah, like, milfy. And I was like, oh, no, I'm old. <laughs> like the milfy character in the movie is like my age now and it had like a very weird like because like to them absolutely she was like it's oh, a it's tragedy like, yo we're hitting middle age we're, we're getting there but yeah exactly so she's uh it's priscilla barnes she's 64 years old now and was and maybe yeah, she's born december 55 so probably filming she was 39 38 or 40 depending on because it she turned she turned 40 the december the movie came out so 38 or 39 depending on when the filming was done so our age and was definitely but like in my head as a kid i was like that's an old lady <laughs> uh, amazing i just uh, i i like that movie a lot 
I'm just afraid of rewatching it. It really, 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 um, it, really it, hangs on uh, Jason Lee's performance. Like, what's his name? T.S. is crap. Yeah. The the girls, like Claire Forlani is bland. Shannon Doherty is just Shannon Doherty. Like if it if if it was anyone other than Jason Lee, that movie would be I would think like actively bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean like Chasing Amy is now extremely questionable plot wise. I haven't yeah. watched that since since like twenty five years ago. Twenty years yeah. ago when it came out. I I, I I wonder. I wonder if any of it'll land. I mean, some of it will land. Like Black Rage, Black Rage will still land. Yeah, the, the second <laughs> comparison scene is, is is funny, but like the overall plot of like lesbian falls in love with boy. It's, and Holden's a, I like unlikable. Yeah, like like that's which which I applaud, like from a filmmaking perspective. But just to go back and you're like like yeah, the Ben Affleck character in Chasing Amy is not someone you're kind of rooting for you know like it doesn't come off as endearing and i guess that's like the when you look at mall rats i guess as the counterpoint or even clerks is that like you're rooting for brody even though he's a bit of a scum and you're rooting for dante even though he's a bit of a loser but like holden and chasing amy you're kind of like not this guy i wouldn't want to hang with him like he doesn't he seems like the worst like he seems like the worst part of the friend crew in that movie (laughs) like you're like oh that guy yeah. There's like the other comic artists and whatever. They all seem cool. Holden just seems like a wet blanket at all times. He's, he's like the guy you'd have to pull aside and be like, that's not a thing you can say anymore. <laughs> you can't say that to people. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. We, I think we can hold off. If, is it is Malrats on the list? But we should, I don't we think should so. all We should all watch it before we, we settle on where it goes. Uh, I, 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 if, I will say it didn't tickle me in the nostalgia uh I don't know. Where I I'd bet that the like the the rough edges are real obvious. Oh yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on a rewatch, and that's like it didn't get me. I don't know how to sound this without sounding like a. I was like, it didn't get me going, and then I said, tickle my. I don't know where I'm going with this, but I'll it look. wasn't. It didn't. Maybe it didn't make me feel the way like hackers made me feel on the right, rewatch. Right, like, <laughs> like kind of like, giddy at how terrible it is. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Like, I wasn't like, you yeah. know, like. Like at every mm-hmm. moment, despite knowing almost everything by heart. And there's so many, yeah. there's so many weird sound clips. I think that if we're going to like dig deep into Mallrats, I used to, when I would like burn CDs from my MP3 playlists, like, like have Mallrats quotes, like as interludes <laughs> in, between. in between the songs of just, just like little, like, like, like 10 seconds and being like, what happened to him? Guy in the Easter Bunny suit kicked his ass. Next track, yeah. you know, like <laughs> as the... As okay, you might have been into this more than I was. I don't know that I ever put quotes. You know, I, I used to do I, that with aliens. <laughs> <laughs> like with like... Claire overdue. Can we expect a rescue? <laughs> maybe you just five, didn't put the... Five, five, five. You just didn't put the love into your mixities that that I did, maybe. I guess not. Well, you were an indoor kid, though, so maybe you didn't sure make was. as many mixities. Because nope. I would like... It would be important to me to like burn a CD... So that I could put it in my discman, so then I could like take it on the go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just, that was. I thought it was clever in the middle of two rock songs, having new being like, "They're dead, all right. They're all dead. Are you happy now?" Is Clerks on the list? Because maybe we should put that there at the same time or first. You know, mm. be a, be a kind of benchmark against which we could compare the other the other ones. Because there's no way that it'll surpass Clerks. Well, then we have it to really. Watch sh- That's the rule. The one Clerks is, list is we have to watch it in the recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have to go. Sarah hates Clerks. Really? Yeah. And, and I was like, I was like Sarah, I was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I was like, possibly one of the most important, like formative, <laughs> formative films for like, like there's a list of movies that I've watched a gazillion times, and that list is Empire Records, Clerks, Mallrats. Train spotting. I'm trying to figure out maybe what also maybe like made the rotation. Those are definitely the big four. I'm like thinking of like VHS tapes that I like put on. I put them on the TV like you would normally put like an album on. Mm-hmm. Those were the four that were like probably the heaviest rotation. I'm like five. Per, Days and Confused is probably rounding out the top five. Like 
which also has a great that's soundtrack. still great that yeah. yeah and days and confused i mean no, we, we, we talked about that i watched it last year and yeah days and confused is amazing and when i like it, it having, holds up in how vague and believable it kind of is you know it's it blew it blew my mind that like i watched it <laughs> like i i watched it for the somewhere in the like hundredth time easily and was like immediately like because uh, of how I was up at the cottage or whatever, it just like it started again because I, I think because it was a downloaded movie on Netflix or whatever, it just played itself, started up again because there was nothing else in the queue because like Netflix, I had only downloaded like one movie. So it's like playing next, the only thing that I have access to. So it started up again. And I literally then watched the first 15 minutes of the film uh-huh. like, immediately, like immediately. I was like, yeah, this is great. This is like, I was like I could, if I didn't have to go to bed, I would just watch this movie twice tonight. When when is Days and Confused set? It's seventy five. Mm, I think so. Yeah, seventy five. It's released in what ninety ninety five. Ninety three. Ninety Days and Confused is ninety three. Yeah, and it's set in seventy six. Yeah, there's more time. There's more time between now and Days and Confused's release than there is between Days and Confused and the time it was pretending to be. Lord, could you imagine Days and Confused two two thousand two? <laughs> I don't know that we it, has somebody made the like the voice of the OOs comedy teen movie. Was there one? Is it like Pineapple Express or something like that? I don't, I don't know that it. Super bad. bad. It's definitely super bad. It's definitely super bad. Yeah, and super bad is also very good. Yeah, <laughs> but like the that that comedy. There is, wasn't too many of them though. Not really. That like hit that. Looking back, like, can you imagine the movie now? Looking back at back at two thousand, yeah, being better than Superbad. In the eighties, they look back at the sixties, and the nineties, they look back at the seventies. Like, are we looking back at Britney Spears and Destiny's Child and like? Yeah, like, so you're saying like, like, is there a movie that is like nostalgic for? I mean, hang on, I did talk about this last time. Uh, Boys in the Trees does take place like was a film that came out in like 2018 or 2019 and takes place very pointedly in like 1999. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think, I think we're going to see it. (laughs) We might see it a little more, but like, so here's, here's the, whoa, guys, I'm about to blow your minds. Doubt that. Yeah, you are. (laughs) So when did it come out? It started in 98. So uh, we could get, easily that 2000s show in like the next couple of years because yeah, that 70 shows fun. that no but that no and i think that 70 show started right. in 98 and took place in 76 so it was 20 right. years back right so we're 20 years removed from they could reboot the series as that 2000s show yeah <laughs> that's how our parents felt i guess watching that 70 show and we're like hi it is so cool <laughs> look how old how the mighty have fallen. It <laughs> oh, was not cool in the end. I, no. Uh, Keith, speaking of movies that you've got to watch. Oh, no. I had such banter. Oh, are we doing it? <laughs> we did a half hour and another 20 minutes already. We're, we got to get to Run, it. Running on up. All right. So here we go. The movie was compared unfavorably to The Witch. Oh, Yes. Unfavorably, is it, do I have any chance of guessing this? Oh or? hell no, I don't think so. Okay, you might have actually here. seen it, seen the title of it while cruising through um, Shutter. Oh, and that's how I know you're going to get to watch it because I watched it on Shutter like two or three times. You watched it? Two, you've watched it two or three times, especially when it's a movie that is like weird, like The Witch. Yeah, yeah, I would watch it two or three times. And so you've seen this movie two or three times, and you're like saying it's terrible. It, it's like, imagine if the witch just didn't work, <laughs> you know, and it's like kind of long and slow and you're like, oh God, this, this movie is being long and slow for the sake of being long and slow. And then there's a scene where the girl is like milking her goat and then she's like rubbing the goat milk straight off of the teat onto her face. And you're like, why are you doing this movie? This is so uncomfortable. Well, I mean, now I feel you like you completely spoiled the best part. No, no. Oh man, this, <laughs> that's that's like the the surface level uncomfortable of this movie. It gets to such great places. Keith, it actually is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so uh, it's the best part of the movie. 
So are there any other like weird weird clues or tips? Because I'm I'm just thinking of like like Shutter films or whatever. Um. Well, I, yeah. go ahead, Scott. Who's in this movie? Nobody. <laughs> I'm I'm looking it up. Yeah, it's primarily uh, just focused on this one girl, and I, she does a pretty good performance. I actually think it's the direction around her that that is what causes the movie to not quite work. Mm-hmm. Let me get that. Is there a director? Like, is it a, a notable director? While you guys were looking this up, it reminded me, uh, a friend of mine shared a meme. It was, like, a really, like, crappy drawing of, like, someone who just kind of had uh, a little, like, a weird little, like, disappointed face and, like, everyone's just kind of smiling. And the caption is sort of, nobody at this party has seen the Serbian film. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, man, I was like, I have that reaction at work a lot. <laughs> Like that, I always go back to the. Um, I was in a team meeting once, and there was a guy who was like, "My name is like Ashtosh, uh, or Ash for short." And I was like, "That'll be easy to remember, like the Evil Dead." And twelve people in the meeting were like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "None of these people have seen the Serbian film." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, like I was like, people are like, "Oh, you're into like horror movies?" And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like like uh, like you know, like independent, like edgy horror movies. And they're like, like Saw, and I'm like, mm, no, 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 that that's <laughs> no. Into, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it was directed by Lucas Fiegelfeld. Whoa. Stars Fiegelfeld. Alexandra Kuhn, okay. uh, spelt C-W-E-N. No, the, the names get a little more obscure after that. So oh, boy. I don't, I don't know that you're going to... Okay, so I, I, I have no no chance to guess this, so, no. so hit, me, hit me with it. I'll write it down on a All right. po- so post-it. I don't think that this is a movie that I despise. I'm just putting okay. it forward in this because I think you're going to especially have trouble with it, and um, and I want to I want to try and take this this whole notion of like best movie ever into territory that is not just like stupid. You know, we've done a lot of stupid, shitty movies. I think there's I mean, especially me. You guys, yes. you know, yes. I watched Leonard Part Six. This <laughs> and Soul Man. This this is like kind of thought provoking and doesn't work. Okay, so the the film is Hagazusa. H-A-G-A-Z-U. Can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to watch Hagazusa. Hagazusa. There you go. Uh, I'm ex- I feel bad because I was like, the movie that I wanted to make you watch next is on Shudder, and I'm worried that you might have already watched it. Oh, it's quite likely. I've watched a lot of Shudder movies. I, mean, I, mean, I feel that you would have brought this one up, though, really? on, the, on air, because there's, like there's a hook that it doesn't have. But anyway, we'll, we'll wait till. <laughs> We'll wait till you you get. Man, I watched this spectacular documentary on on Shutter, and I don't remember what the name is now. I'm going to look it up while I'm talking about it. But it's about a like a B filmmaker from the 40s, 50s, 60s who ends up getting murdered really late in life, and it's kind of like a retrospective both about his life and the crazy shitty B movies that he made, and like the resulting tragic end of the guy's life, and like all of these people, tons and tons of actors. And like producers who were all like, man, this guy made the shittiest movies. But he was but, such a nice guy. He was so good to work with. It's so terrible. Just, just kept doing them. Well, like, start talking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up. This Spe- speaking of people that died, I was like, I, 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 I mentioned this in the email thread the other day. Totally slipped my like slipped my newsfeed, or if I noticed it, it didn't register. But that Daniel Johnston died last year, and he died September 11th, yep. 2019. Heart attack. Like a suspected heart attack, which, as I mentioned, was significantly less exciting than pulling the keys out of the ignition of an airplane and then saying that God will take care of it. And then him and his dad crashing their plane together. But they were okay. I cannot think of a documentary that stuck with me more than The Devil and Daniel Johnson. There's so many really? like stories and anecdotes that like Sarah was like, I don't know who Daniel Johnson is. I was like, Yeah, you do. I was like, and then it's like started telling. I was like, He uh, like things that happened to Daniel Johnson. Like he didn't know how like a reel to reel like four track worked. So when he <laughs> released his album, he just kept playing his album again and over again, and over and over, <laughs> recording yeah. it and being like one press play two, and then the only number that he wrote on the cassette was his job at McDonald's, and then McDonald's started getting called by record labels. So people were trying to sign Daniel Johnston. They're like, well, you have to wait till he's on shift. Metallica gets involved. Yeah, Metallica. And then it's like he just goes missing in New York, and Sonic Youth is just driving around the city, like just looking for him. And he plays a show while he's missing. They find the flyer for it. All right, I found it. Blood and Flesh, the real life and ghastly death of Al Adamson. 
Alan I, I can't believe we haven't watched any Al Adamson movies. The clips that they show from his movies are fucking so bad. They are so horrible. Like the worst Dracula of all time. And then they get they get the the guy who played Dracula in that movie to do an interview with him. Yeah, Scott, <laughs> you saw that other Dracula movie. We got to track down the Al Adamson Dracula. I don't know. <laughs> That's a bold claim to say the worst Dracula movie. Oh man, they show clips from the movie and the guy is like, I had so much makeup on and the light was so bright in my eyes and I didn't know, I'm not even an actor. I wasn't even supposed to be there and they just made me put it on and do a creepy voice. It's really a delightful documentary. Weird. I watched a horror movie documentary since last episode too. What was it? Straight to video, direct to video. Hmm. um, The video is called straight to video, direct to video? Yep. It was about um, 80s VHS productions, like movies that were made, horror movies, Scream Queens, mm-hmm. only to get into video stores. Hmm. Like no theatrical releases and a, a bunch of stuff like Return of the Living Dead 3 was in it, uh, the Doll Maker, the Ghoulies, all of that stuff. Okay. Like how to come up with a clever VHS box that would get some rents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I... I don't necessarily know about that documentary, but I remember reading an article of liter- just about that, <laughs> like what you're describing, of like how close to a real Hollywood movie you would make your box look like just to try to pick up on the accidental rents <laughs> and, and stuff where you're like, this looks like the, that thing that was out this summer. No, <laughs> it's something else. Uh, the other movie that uh, I didn't watch, but just talking about Shudder uh, and stuff that I wanted to bring up um, Walter told me about it. Uh, Dial Code Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. So it's a movie. It's out on Shutter. Um, and this is this is the one where apparently there was even potentially some legal action taken. This movie came out in '89, and it's the plot is a very intelligent and resourceful child is left alone with his uh, beloved and fragile granddaughter and dad on Christmas Eve when a psychopath dressed as Santa Claus breaks into their house and he fights them back. Like it's Home Alone. Right. Like other than the fact that there's a granddad, it's like. It's exactly Home Alone, only it's incredibly violent and like <laughs> actually played like a real horror. And Walter hadn't didn't make the link, but he's like, as soon as he started watching it, and this is what he told me about. It, he's like, there's a scene where there's like a kid hiding under the couch, and you watch Santa Claus, and like a dog is bothering him, and then the do- the Santa Claus like brutally murders the dog. And he's, I was like, that rings a bell. I don't know if I've seen this movie. He's like, that rings a bell because it's in the Everything Is Terrible Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> And as soon as he, I was like, I was like, how? I was like, I'm sure I've seen this. He's like, no, you haven't. You've only seen the Everything Is Terrible Christmas special multiple times. And that's what you think this is. But he's like, it's from that. And I was like, I any still movie, have that I'm an elf. Work, 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 work. Bit it's stuck so in good. So fucking crazy. Mm. Oh man, <clears throat> who even knows what Everything Is Terrible is? Like, how many people have sat down and watched Everything Is Terrible? You still can. You can yeah. still Are they all go on to YouTube? it. Uh, a lot of their stuff's on YouTube, and then all of their their comps you can uh, go to their website, and like, I think they cost like four or five dollars for a digital download. Mm-hmm. That's yours to keep. It's not a magnificent. You get, to, you get to download it for for good, which is kind of shocking that you can. I think I know some of their stuff. I'm sure probably got tangled up in in rights issues, but like you can still have. get yeah. some of it because I think just like it's so obscure that it like all lapsed yeah. probably yeah. and like. And also fly under the radar. You know, like how many people are even paying attention to the rights from that thing they did in the 70s advertising fucking... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a weird cable access yeah. stuff. Like, and that, that's always some of the best stuff. When it's like they dig, they dig up like local cable stuff, but that actually had real celebrities. You're like, there's Danny DeVito just doing <laughs> like a weird bit. And then I, I'm also wondering if they're protected under like apparently if you use like clips less than 30 seconds you can oh. pass you you can pass it off as like advertising there's nothing more than 30 seconds on it, the whole the whole thing exactly so they might be able to like get away with like clip law or yeah. whatever if they're like it's advertising for this i'm definitely going to watch that over the holidays hegazusa or everything is terrible I mean, Hegazus is because I have to, yeah, but man. also the Everything is Terrible Christmas special, and then potentially also Dial Code Santa Claus on, on Shutter. Uh, do you have anything else that we want to we talk about, or are we, are we moving into 
Garbage song. Is this the Christmas episode? Did we just? No, no, no. We no, have no. we have another. We have a whole we have two. Two. We might have two. Right. Hang on. This is going to come out on the third. And there's going to be. Oh no! Yeah, and the next episode is the is the Christmas Christmas episode. special. We should come up with some Christmas content for that. Watch your uh, Christmas movies. Yeah. But I, I want gonna watch the something I'm gonna watch this year is the 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 gritty BBC reboot of A Christmas Carol with Guy Pierce. You guys, <laughs> last year it came out in 2019. They did a three part miniseries of the classic Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol, starring Guy Pierce, which I would like be normally like it's the BBC that has me like at least somewhat excited for it. If they were like NBC presents A Christmas Carol, like, I wouldn't care. But BBC has some like you know, quality stuff. They did, they did Sherlock Sometimes. and they did yeah. all that. And then there's also Guy Pierce. episodes of Dracula. Yeah. They did, uh, yeah. like, Guy Pierce is also in it. Yeah, I like Guy Pierce. Yeah. And um, there's for... other people in the cast, too. If you look at the cast, like, if anyone's looking it up right now on their iPhone. Yeah, everybody's looking it up. I wonder <laughs> what Guy Pierce's deal is. I always felt like he, he was, like, on the edge of being a bigger star than he was. And then he just chilled. Well, yeah. L.A. Confidential was pretty huge. That was a good fucking movie. Oh yeah, we should all watch L.A. Confidential. That's a Christmas movie right there. They, right? That was that was one of the things. Is they were like it, like we get it. Die Hard is the anti-Christmas movie. Yeah. But they were like, like heavy runner-up really should be L.A. Confidential. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you want if you want to like argue about like it's another genre, but it takes place at Christmas, so it counts. L.A. Confidential is an amazing film that takes place at Christmas. So if yeah. you're going to use the Die Hard argument. Yeah. You might as well also watch LA Confidential, which is also amazing. That's not bad. We could come up with a bunch of movies. The like, this is a good Mount Rushmore Christmas, like anti-Christmas movies. LA Although I don't know that Die you're going to beat Die Hard and LA Confidential. Well, I mean, but there's always the two easy ones. The longest yeah. good night. That one was good. It's also another Shane ba- Shane Black one. It's uh, Gina Davis and Sam Jackson. Mm. She's a spy uh, who gets activated. Mm. That's a good. Okay, we could we could give it a go. Maybe it ain't gonna work. We'll take a look. Watch yeah. Christmas Bounty starring the Miz. Christmas Bounty. Bounty. He's a oh, bounty. Less cool than my idea. <laughs> the Christmas Bounty. Yeah, that's like the like Mike Mizanin as the Christmas Bounty. You're telling me you wouldn't be all over that film. <laughs> Start writing the script. Films <laughs> will make it. <laughs> Oh, for sure, <laughs> definitely. We just we haven't even released this episode, and they've already filed the copyright for it. <laughs> this holiday season, Mike Mizan and Jacques Rougeau. Yes, <laughs> and it's like a panning of the torch, kind of like a passing light. No, no, it's like due south. It's like a total. It's so wait, a... so Rougeau's the Christmas Mountie. Because in my mind, he was like handing the mantle of Christmas Mountie off to Mike Mizanin. He's the surly old French Canadian Mountie, and Miz is the cool American FBI agent. And together, mm-hmm. they fight crime. I got it. I'm Did you guys it. see Silent Night, Deadly Night too? You guys ever? Probably. I definitely saw Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel that I maybe would have watched part two. Oh, Same, 1987. Looks real bad. You should you should check out the second one. Is like a million times worse than the first one. And and for a bottom tier Christmas horror movie, a million times worse is pretty pretty down there. Yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at Shutter's uh, Christmas films right now on a list, and I think yeah. hang on on Rotten Tomatoes, the oh, highest ranked one. I got it's, it. Gremlins. Oh. Gremlins. Huh? Oh, Gremlins is good. Gremlins is the genre non-Christmas movie, Christmas movie. Yep. That's a much more contender. I would agree with that. I'd have a hard time watching it in this house, though. Why? I don't understand why. Sarah is so terrified of Gremlins. Huh. And like, think about them. She watches them like all the crazy horror movies. So like, she like I have a, a ceramic Gremlin figurine on the on the little tower, and she makes me put it on the bottom. Wow! Like I'm she like falls asleep Mogway. during crazy horror movies. Yeah, exactly. That's it. But yeah. she's like, she's like Mogways and and Gremlins are are not not her jam. Like she, every time we've moved, like she broke it once, and like she claims it was by accident. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. You tried to break it because it's like a ceramic Mogway. Yeah, that happened the same week as the the bulls. <laughs> I was two stories are in the same email chain. Oh man, <laughs> I believe it. This was the 90s.
everybody. <laughs>